Welcome back to The Q-Files. We know that we officially ended our first season a couple of weeks ago, but we stumbled upon a fascinating article in the New York Times and just had to share it with you. It seemed like a perfect coda to our Digging Up the Dead episode. We will state here that we are relying heavily upon the Times article by writer Jenny Gross and credit her with much of the information used in this episode. Dorothy Parker was an American writer of short stories, poetry, and critical essays who lived from 1893 to 1967. But she was most notorious for her clever and biting wit and wisecracks. As she once said, every morning I get up and brush my teeth and sharpen my tongue. Parker was part of the infamous Algonquin Roundtable, a group of writers, actors, and critics who joined for lunch and drinks every day at the Algonquin Hotel in New York City from 1919 to 1929. They called themselves the Vicious Circle. Other notable members of the table included Irving Berlin, New Yorker editor Harold Ross, Harpo Marx, Noel Coward, and Tallulah Bankhead, just to name a few. And there was much drinking to go along with these midday soirees. Eventually, the words and wit of this jolly band of alcoholic estates made it into the newspapers, and its members became famous beyond New York City for their dark humor and stinging cultural observations. Most of all, Parker. When asked if she thought maybe she should join Alcoholics Anonymous, Parker retorted, no, they would want me to stop drinking now. She would follow up that with her rather pithy stanza, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. That gives you an idea of her tone and cleverness, although my favorite is this little macabre yet cogent poem. Razors pain you, rivers are damp, acids stain you, and drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, nooses give, gas smells awful, you might as well live. <laughs> in 1925, Vanity Fair Periodical asked prominent writers and artists to compose their own epitaphs that would be written on their tombstones. Parker complied and responded, Excuse my dust. Now, that might be humorous enough, but taken with some context, it becomes even more amusing. With the automobile craze of the early 1920s, some enthusiastic drivers had fastened plates on the back of their cars reading, you guessed it, excuse my dust. It became a ubiquitous saying across the U.S. celebrating this nation-changing invention in its robust production. There was even a silent film named The Same starring Wallace Reed that was released in 1920. For Parker to co-opt that common vernacular and repurpose it as her own final words is pretty funny. And get this, it was on the marker that denotes the final resting place of her remains. Here is what her marker says. Here lie the ashes of Dorothy Parker, 1893 to 1967. Humorist, writer, critic, defender of human and civil rights. For her epitaph, she suggested, excuse my dust. This memorial garden is dedicated to her noble spirit, which celebrated the oneness of humankind and to the bonds of everlasting friendship between black and Jewish people, dedicated by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, October 20th, 1988. Wait, 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 wait. Dedicated by the NAACP? For the everlasting friendship between black and Jewish people? What is going on here? And as if that weren't surprising enough, the fact of the matter is that Dorothy Parker's ashes are indeed buried in the back garden of the NAACP office in Baltimore. How they got there? Well, that's our real story. When Parker died in 1967 at the age of 73 in her Upper East Side hotel room in New York City, 
She had no survivors, no spouse, no children, no family she recognized at all. She had not left any instructions as to what to do with her remains. Initially, her ashes sat unclaimed in the New York City crematorium for six years. Then, they were shipped to the lawyer of the executor of her estate, playwright Lillian Hellman. There, they were left in lawyer Paul O'Dwyer's office filing cabinet for 15 years. It was now 1988. But when she died, Parker, who was Jewish, left almost all of her estate and royalties from her writings to Dr. Martin Luther King. She and King had never met. She also stated that upon King's death, the estate earnings should transfer over to the NAACP. Upon learning of the gift, Dr. King said this, What impresses and inspires me is that one of America's most respected and warmly loved women of letters felt so committed to the civil rights movement that whatever she had, she offered to it. With King's death in 1968, the estate indeed was bequeathed to the NAACP. But in 1988, when the NAACP executive director Benjamin Hooks found out that Parker's ashes were languishing in an office filing cabinet, he proposed that her remains be brought to the Baltimore NAACP office. He and two leaders of the Baltimore Jewish community raised funds to build a memorial garden on the premises in which to place Parker's ashes. Later that year, NAACP leaders, Baltimore Mayor Kurt Schmoke, local officials and prominent citizens buried Parker's urn in the memorial garden and placed upon it the aforementioned marker. But that's not the end of the story. Last month, the NAACP announced that they were moving their office from Baltimore to Washington, D.C. A question quickly arose. What is going to happen to Dorothy? Abba Blankston, a spokeswoman for the NAACP, said there were no plans for remains to be taken to Washington with them. She said, I think people assume because we're moving to D.C. that she's coming with us, but it is ultimately where the family wishes her to be. End quote. Although it is not clear what family they are talking about. There is a grandniece and a grandnephew, but their wishes have not been made public. And because Dorothy did not recognize any extended family upon her death, one can assume that she might not be too happy with them determining where her ashes will ultimately lay. J. Howard Henderson, who oversaw the NAACP's transfer of Ms. Parker's ashes to Baltimore from New York, said her ashes should stay where they are. You would hate to think she would be a nomad again, Mr. Henderson said. John Wesley, an official who attended the burial of the urn in the garden, said, I do not want to see Dorothy's ashes in some place where she is disassociated from her contribution to the civil rights movement for African Americans. Others have suggested that her ashes be put in a civil rights museum or somewhere in New York City, where she always called home, maybe even in the Algonquin Hotel, which is still in business. Some have even suggested the Library of Congress, but no determination has yet been made. Parker enthusiast Francine Gordon reminded us that she always had abandonment issues, referring to Ms. Parker's unhappy love life and three marriages. Well, it's happening again. Another Parker aficionado, Marjorie Stewart, said, And here we are now, still fussing over her dust. I think she'd kind of get a kick out of it. I would have to agree. And I also imagine that upon the notion of her ashes being moved once again, one can only suppose that Parker might comment with the very word she uttered so many times during her long and colorful life. What fresh hell is this? 
Hey folks, thanks for spending some time with us. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends and leave a review. This show was created and produced by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends, be weird, stay curious. Or, as Dorothy Parker said, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. These are the Q-Files.